truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand here on the Blaze Radio TV and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre are here as well. Who are you? Let us know at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. You can also let us know via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. We'll try. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you are listening today via the podcast, thank you for carving out some time to listen at your convenience. We appreciate you, and we'd appreciate you even more if you'd leave us a five-star review wherever you choose to podcast from. Thank you to the thousands of you on the various platforms that have done this for us already. Maybe consider doing it three, four, five, six, seven times more under your burner account names. I don't know if that's permitted, but I I think we should just find out together. Because the more of those five-star reviews we get, the more people like you, the algorithms help us to find. And then the more likely it is we get to continue to do this for a living. And I think we all want that. America needs that right now. We are back to regular order here on this Wednesday. Our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be here. Uh, Also, uh, plenty of buy, sell, or hold coming your way as well when the audience, you will determine the topics that we will be addressing. But before we get to all of those things, here is Aaron, and there's my phone, which I forgot to put on silent. Here is Aaron, although I, that, I do like that ring. It's got a good beat, and you can dance to it, indeed. Here is Aaron with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Iranian retaliation. According to the U.S. military, Iran launched more than a dozen ballistic missiles hitting U.S.-controlled targets inside Iraq. The biggest target was Al-Assad Air Base, which houses about 1,500 U.S. and coalition forces. After the attack, President Trump tweeted, All is well. Missiles launched from Iran at two military bases located in Iraq. Assessment of casualties and damages taking place now. So far, so good. We have the most powerful and well-equipped military anywhere in the world by far. Also in Iran last night, a Boeing 737 belonging to Ukrainian Airlines crashed shortly after takeoff from Iran's capital city, Tehran. All 176 people on the plane were killed in the crash. Ukrainian authorities say it's too early to determine a cause. Also in Iran overnight, a magnitude 4.9 earthquake hit Iran near one of its nuclear power plants. That's according to the U.S. Geological Survey. It's unclear if any damage was done. Back stateside, MSNBC did their darndest to push Iranian propaganda during their coverage of the missile launches. Uh, this is uh, um, this bit I'm, I'm not sure about, but the Iran state media is claiming that 30 U.S. soldiers have been killed in this attack. And now, this is not confirmed. This is just coming from Iranian media. But we have just uh, stepped over the precipice. Time magazine says if you need help talking with the children in your life about the aftermath of Iranian General Qasim Soleimani's killing, Time for Kids has a guide explaining the topic. Elizabeth Warren was pressed on The View yesterday by Meghan McCain whether the aforementioned Iranian general was indeed a terrorist. 
You issued a statement calling, calling Soleimani a murderer. Later, you issued a second statement saying that he was, quote, an assassination of a senior foreign military official. Now, this is a man who obviously is responsible for hundreds of American troops, deaths, carnage that we can't even imagine. The Treasury Department and the State Department have both ne- designated the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps as a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the flip-flop. I, I don't understand why it was so hard to call him a terrorist, and I would just like you to explain. So, uh, I, and I appreciate it, and I appreciate your kind comments. You know, all three of my brothers yes, served in yes. the military. We've talked and about I this. question at an a terrorist? Right. He's part of a group that has but been is he designated. A terrorist? He is part of a group that's been designated. So he's not a terrorist. Because of course he is. He's okay. part of a group that our federal government has designated as a terrorist. The question, though... Joe Biden confused Iraq and Iran... The Iran parliament, the Iran parliament voted to eject all Americans and coalition forces from the country. Moving on, CNN has settled in a lawsuit brought against it by Covington Catholic high schooler Nick Sandman. Sandman was at the center of a controversy last year during the March for Life in Washington, D.C., where he was painted as a racist by numerous news outlets for staring down a Native American tribal elder. Once a fuller picture of events emerged, it was clear Sandman and his friends were not the aggressors in the situation. The lawsuit by Sandman brought against CNN was $275 million. The settlement in the lawsuit is remaining private. A new Pew survey finds that 72% of white evangelical Protestants say the legalization of so-called same-sex marriage has been a somewhat or very bad thing for U.S. society, while 64% of Catholics say it's been a good thing. Another student has joined a lawsuit against Fuller Theological Seminary after being expelled for entering into a so-called same-sex marriage. Another student started the lawsuit last November against the largest interdenominational seminary in the country. And that's what happened while we were away. We're going to get to that Pew Research survey later today in the overtime. And if you are a Blaze TV subscriber, good news, that'll be loaded for you at the blazetv.com website later today. If you're not yet one, though, and would like to become, you may indeed sign up today at blazetv.com slash dace, D-E-A-C-E, where you'll instantly be given a discounted offer courtesy of yours truly. blazetv.com slash dace, so you don't miss any of our overtime exclusives for subscribers, but also so you don't miss anything that uh, the, the entire team that we have here, uh, the cast of literally dozens we have here at Blaze TV. You don't want to miss any of our content, blazetv.com slash dace. Let's get to the rest, though, of what is in Aaron's montage. And I, I think we got to go back to the serious situation and remember that ABC News used some drills being run at a Kentucky gun range, Right to tell us that this is what was going on in Syria at the time. And I and and then I think you have to go back to yesterday where ABC News is Martha Raddatz. We had the clip of her uh, head covered talking about how emotional and fiery the people of Iran were over the killing of someone who's killed a lot more of them than the American people have in the last several years. Just pure, straight-up mouthpiece for evil, right? And I think you have to then go back to what we started off our show with for 2020. Men, do you remember what our theme is? Assume you're being lied to. Assume you are being lied to. Assume. 
I mean, I, I, I can't envision Walter Winchell running to a microphone in January of 1942 to say, hey, we, we haven't been able to confirm this, but Japanese state radio is telling us that the entire American fleet was destroyed at, at Midway. Do you think that would have happened? No. Hell no. Not no, but no. Okay? Hell to the no, that would not have happened. The, the idea, you know, I pointed out today, I, I put that clip on Twitter, and, you know, hashtag enemy of the people. That's enemy of the people stuff. You are a mouthpiece for an enemy of the American people. Therefore, vis-a-vis, you're an enemy of the American people. And some lefty blue checkmark responds back to me. They were part of unconfirmed and unsubstantiated, do not understand. You think that's a defense? You, you breathlessly live in real time with unverified took to the airwaves and spewed the propaganda of, of, of probably the primary enemy of the United States from a nation-state standpoint and has been for many years, Iran. And, and you just spewed their propaganda of 30 U.S. casualties, unsubstantiated by your own admission. And that's your defense that's that's the defense, Todd. It's got a certain like magic R quality. They as long as we can do anything, say anything. Right. As long as we put this in there, right. it absolves you of all critical thinking. Right. But why don't, why don't we just? We're all Southerners now. Bless your heart. Yes, that's it. Iran says they have they have ended the United States according to state run. Bless their heart. And as long as we just throw some modifier in there, we can just literally throw anything, uh, this vomit anything from enemies of the United States on the air. It's right? a great cross your fingers behind your back yes, like that, when you were kids. This yeah. is the left media version. Well, I prayed about it, Steve, and I feel real good yes. about where I'm at right now. And then you just kind of cross your arms, do the buffalo stance. You can't come back at me now because I prayed first before I did this completely heretical and said this completely heretical thing, right? I, yeah, so I just I just say, Aaron, it's unsubstantiated, and then it's okay just to go on national television with families of soldiers watching. I'm rubber and you're glue, Steve. Yes, and you go on there and tell them that, it's, that possibly 30 of your loved ones are dead, but we can't verify it yet. That's the defense, Aaron. There's a reason why when we were discussing the, the theme for the new year, Todd kept on saying, uh, this needs to be very Orwellian. That, that's so, that's right on the money, especially with this. This is, I don't know what the best term would be, newspeak, doublespeak. This is whatever they want it to be because they can, as long as there's a qualifier at the end of it, they can get away with whatever, whatever the newspeak is for today. And it's, it goes back, this, they get away with this all the time. They get away with this all the time. We keep on bringing up we keep on bringing up the examples of oh we screwed up. Let me write this little editor's note. Okay, the original story gets fifty thousand likes, retweets, right, shares. It right. gets played, and they don't delete minutes, the tweet. And then yeah. yeah, and then they don't delete the tweet, so it stays there. And yeah. then five days later, they make a correction. Nobody cares. Yeah, this is the exact same thing. They get away with this all of the time because you know what? They know that they can. So they, they, they don't hold themselves to a higher standard. If your kids are not, are, are not behaving themselves um, and you don't, you don't discipline them, you know what? 
they're going to keep pushing the envelope and pushing the envelope because they know that they can get away with it. And they also know the majority of their audience wants that news anyway. Because most Americans That's, are after confirmation and affirmation than information. And they know that. They know that they're, they're essentially doing mean Gene Okerlund talking to Randy Macho Man Savage under a heat lamp. They know that. They know that. All right? And, and speaking of, assume you're being lied to. I, I'm just going to tell you up front, up front I, I don't believe for a second that it was engine failure that brought down that Boeing air, air, uh, air, airplane in Tehran, Tehran last night. I, I don't believe that. I don't. I don't believe it like I don't believe Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. So I, if I'm going to say something like that, then I, I think I, for me to not be irresponsible, I have to posit an alternative, somewhat plausible theory that even if you don't agree with me, you can see why I would come to that conclusion. That's fair, don't you? Oh, yeah. So let me, let me do so, if you don't mind. Iran... All my life, I mean, I was born in 1973. I mean, one of the first things I can remember in the news as a child is the taking of, of the U.S. hostages yeah, at the too. Iranian embassy in Tehran and, and tuning in every night for Walter Cronkite doing the countdown at dinner time. It's one of the earliest memories I have of, I mean, I, I have earlier memories prior to 1979, but I didn't, not paying attention to like events going on in the world prior to that. I remember getting up um, the morning that, uh, the, right after Reagan's inauguration and getting up and watching Saturday morning cartoons and the Super Friends interrupted. Do you remember this? No. Because the hostages came home on a Saturday morning. I remember watching that instead of the Super Friends as a child too. Iran, especially since the fall of the Soviet Union, from a nation state standpoint, has been the number one enemy of the United States of America or at the very least has viewed the United States of America as its number one enemy. It has been conducting on a global scale amorphous and effective terrorism on a global scale for going on a fifth decade. It, it maneuvered its hegemony in the region to the point that we essentially fought the Iraq war. If you look at the way things have turned out now, we essentially fought the Iraq war for Iran to control Iraq, which it could not do on its own during the Iran-Iraq war of the late 70s, early 80s. The Khomeini's, the Ayatollahs, have stayed in power for decades despite the oppression of their own people, the economic impoverishing of their own people, despite the fact they're not even really liked that much in the Muslim world. I mean, the, the, the Saudis hate the Iranians. And as Persians and not Arabs, they're already the redheaded stepchildren uh, of the Muslim Brotherhood as it is. And yet they have remained in power since 1979 when they overthrew the Shah. So I am now being asked, everything I just said is true, or at least could be reasonably proven to be believed. Even if you don't agree and find every last conclusion I've drawn true. There's at least prima facie evidence that on a material level, everything I've just told you is true to some degree. Fair? Yeah. Okay. And so now, 
I mean, Benjamin Netanyahu has been warning the West about their nuclear ambitions since the 1990s. I am, I am now expected, therefore, with all of those previous things stipulated and in the record, you're now telling me that the, they enacted a retaliatory strike against the killing of one of their worst bad lieutenants that incurred no U.S. casualties. So you, you now want me to believe that this rogue nation state, which has survived all kinds of geopolitical upheaval and challenges to its authority domestically, there have been mass demonstrations on several occasions the last few years from Iranian millennials in the streets challenging their authority. And yet the iron grip of their power remains. They so intimidated the, US, the previous U.S. administration into basically bribing them to not build nuclear weapons. All that's still true, right? Yeah. So now, when for the first time since Reagan, a U.S. president steps, it steps back to them and says, all right, I'm your Huckleberry. We, we can do this. Let's see what you got. I'll call your bluff. I'll play a little art of the deal. I call. What do you have? What's in your hand? And their response is a retaliatory strike that kills no Americans. They're suddenly the apple dumpling gang. The Ayatollahs are suddenly the apple dumpling gang. They're Tim Conway and Don Knotts just indiscriminately firing their, 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 their pistols into the air. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that at all. I don't. I, I don't believe it. And I think that this was orchestrated purposefully to not incur U.S. casualties, or at the very least, a very low minimum amount. It's orchestrated to buy time and do Be, things on their terms. Because they need to say, and so here's why, to save face. To say that they did something, they don't look weak. Because they don't want an escalation anymore. Then the, the United States does. The United States doesn't want to go to war with Iran. And that, that's exactly why you kill men like this, so that you don't have to. You, you don't worry about the bully in the schoolyard becoming a, guy, a grown man that one day home, invades your home because you beat his ass when he was 16. And you taught him a lesson that hopefully caught caused him to reassess his life choices, right? Oh, yeah. That's why you, you do things like this so you don't have to. Because I don't want it. Do you want to go to war with Iran? I do not. Aaron, do I think they've stood down or lessons have been learned? That's not what this regime does. I, no. I, I hope because you do beat these bullies, like you say, and I hope that it, 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 take, no, they will the, resume, take the win. They will resume oh, yes. their third-party terrorist operations. There is no question about that. But you, so yeah, I but you take you take this win, but you also somebody's whispering in their ears over there. You know what? You're next. That, yeah. I mean, you they they you know. Just and that's go why away they had and dust and your hands. That's so. exactly why they had to do this and make it look like they had done some response and cause some form of a panic 
They got their win. The, the stock market went down 700 points or whatever yesterday. It'll be right back up probably in the next 48 hours. But they needed something to run in a headline, something for a win to buy them some time because they, were, they got their ass beat. And this, that, this, was a, this was a face-saving gesture. You're, again, I, I've said this over the years on this show many times. You're dealing with honor-based cultures. Now, their definition of honor is different than ours, all right? But, but humiliation is worse than death in, in this culture. Humiliation is worse than death. You take the hemlock to avoid, at the end, to avoid the humiliation. And so that's what was done here in the hopes that they could get some propaganda lines and go back to the previous arrangement where they fund terrorism without necessarily putting it out in the open. Yeah, that we did it. And we go back to basically ignoring that so that we don't have to go to a a thermonuclear war against Iran. That's what this was. This was an eject. And I think the, the, the blowing up of that plane was part of that operation because everybody started talking about that instead of the fact wait Iran hit us back and there were no casualties the president's going to give us an address last night right instead we get an address cooler heads prevail or the president gives an address this morning I this was the equivalent of a college basketball coach calling a timeout when the home team's on a 10-0 run and 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 you need to take you got to get, as Dick Vitale likes to say, you got to get a T.O., baby. That, that's what I think this was. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that? Well, I just, I just want it to be, it, it, it is a false choice that it's either thermonuclear war or we just go back t- to ignoring uh, things. Uh, yeah, I, listen, that, and that's why I think that whisper in there is so important. I, I just, uh, they, are, they are at war at us, existentially, whether they have the means to do it on a regular basis, but they are at war for us. So it's a, a lot of people are racing up, take the win and go away and we just want to be left alone. You, At some point, this is my frustration and why with, we talked about it months ago, but we never are told what we're doing or why we're doing it in Iraq. But if people were honest, if they just said and they provided us enough data to understand that they are constantly trying to kill us. Our being over there is genuinely stopping things. That's a believable storyline to me because I think they are. Enough of them are always trying to kill us. They have that level of insecurity combined with hostility that they, there's always somebody dreaming up another 9-11 up there. There's another new offshoot of a group of terrorists who want to take us out. That, that, that's real. That is real. So we cannot be, it's not either just thermonuclear. That's not what you're saying, but a lot of conservatives were rushing out there yesterday. Just take the win. I I agree that move move on to the next thing, but be wise as serpents and make sure that they know they're marked. Put that scarlet letter on their forehead over there. Oh yeah, it's not just maybe somebody's going to be taken out. Somebody will be taken out and it's you. And that's why I thought the president was also smart to come out and announce more sanctions today. Agreed. Because I think I think this is a is not a it's not an either or. This is an and also operation. You've got you you've got to be ambidextrous here. You've got to be willing to do multiple things and think and, and walk and chew gum at the exact same time. Because it's similar to getting a win on the world stage and a face down against the Soviet Union, but then understand that when they got up in the morning, it was still the Soviet mm-hmm. Union. It, it still had an iron curtain. It, it could still oppress people. And so you, you take, I do it, you take the win 
but not for not to for the point of let me just get out of this politically and have a talking point, which unfortunately that is what too much of conservative media is about. What, can I have a talking point that will get me clicks and or get me on Fox? That's what was frustrating that, and, about because that's what night. most of conservatives most of the conser- conservatism today is. What how do I get my clicks and how do I get on Fox? That's what most of it is. But that doesn't mean there's not truth to you. Take your win not so that you can get out of confronting Iran, but that so you can continue to actually do so in a meaningful way. All right. In a meaningful way that puts them in a position where even if finally they're so frustrated, they would like to wage war against you. They cannot. They don't have the, the infrastructure. By the time we got to the May days of 1988, the Soviet Union was putting paper mache tanks down the street just to put on a show because they were so freaking bankrupted. That's how you do this. Yes. All right. Not so that you can then just move on and let me go back to owning the libs. Okay. Exactly. No, you do this so that you, so that you can end their regime without having to resort to a some some sort of global thermonuclear conflict aaron yes and i think the answer is is basically doing enough to remind and to scare the ayatollahs uh and and the iranians uh, remind them what their place in the world is which is again uh, echoing what you said the, the sanctions today after last night you know that's that's a probably a pretty good response but Again, this false choice we, we, that we find ourselves in that's posited everywhere is if we retaliate, then that means we're going to go uh, right back to thermo. No, no, you do enough. Again, a reminder that this is an honor-based culture over there. And I think even beyond honor, the thing that people in power in the Middle East want to hold on, uh, want to, hold on to more than anything else, uh, even more than honor, is that power. And so you make them, you put them in a position to where they have no choice, but they are being, you know, you spank them enough that spanking doesn't necessarily mean we're going to kill thousands of your citizens and, oh, it's a Thursday and Tehran is on fire. Spank them enough to remind them what their place in the world is, not just not just have them threaten you into uh, whatever they think your place in the world is and flying them pallets of cash. you, You weren't alive for this. But this is why we had the arms build up in the 80s. And the, and the left at the, oh, we're going to nuke, he's going to nuclear, we're going to nuke all. And he tells the Soviet Union the bombing begins in 15 minutes. No, see, this has been a one-sided provocation for too long. That's and, my point. And they don't have the same, they don't have quite the same electoral pressures that you do. All right, on a constant basis. But that doesn't mean they don't have any. On some level, if you can't feed your people, eventually... Eventually, human nature will revolt, and that happened in the Soviet Union. Eventually, they will. This is why Kim Jong-un constantly rattles sabers in order to get what? Food, money, supplies. Why? So he can keep his people somewhat fed to stop them from rolling on him. So if you are the Ayatollahs, what have I been saying for the last couple of years here? Why are we not in the information age? Why are we not, as a country, aiding and abetting the the the, the protesters in Iran and saying, hey, we stand at least at least rhetorically, we stand with you for freedom because that puts domestic political pressure on the Ayatollahs. They can get run, too, just like they ran the Shah out of town 40 years ago. They can get run out of town 40 years later, too. This puts them in a position where just as Reagan's arms build up, force the Soviet Union to say, hey, are we really sure we can go missile for missile with them. We can go deployment for deployment for them. 
because they've got open markets and their economy is growing four, five, six, seven percent a quarter. Ours isn't. We had a command economy. We, we can't grow like that. Can we really do that? This is called mutually assured destruction. Iran has been taught that it can rattle its saber and we will back back down because we don't want a war. It's been taught that. It's been taught in, 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 in a similar message. This is why I'm so angry at what the president is doing with Kim Jong-un. Because that's what he's doing with him. He's teaching him that he can get what he wants if he, if, if, if we, if he can get acceptance on a world stage. He can get a meeting, gravitas, reputation. Just as the previous American presidents taught him, he can get pallets of cash. No, what Aaron just said is correct. They need to be reminded, are you sure? Are you sure you don't have anything to lose in this? Are you sure? Are you sure that if, if we have more Iranian high guard body bags, that either A, your people will not rise up and say, feed us instead of go to war with the Americans, or B, might rise up and say, you know what? The Americans have taught us you can bleed like any other despot, so maybe we're going to roll you next. Are you sure? You sure you're coming to the table with nothing to lose here? Really? Really? I'll call that bluff. Let's see. That's what you're talking about. Indeed. And that's what Aaron is just accurately articulated. So we, we, we don't just, we're not trying to get out of this. We're doing it this way so that we never have to get into it. Because these rogue regimes have been taught for too long now. That we're always the ones that will be concerned about political, uh, per, you know, uh, pressures and and polling numbers and what the local domestic political scene is. Time to put them in a position where they've got to worry about some of that too. More in a moment. here on the Steve Day Show, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, coming up here to take us inside politics at the top of hour two. But before we get to that, it is time for the first time in 2020 for our fun weekly game known as Buy, Sell, or Hold. This week, it is sponsored by Deborah. I want to tell you about her story. Her home was stolen, and I, and I don't mean thieves stealing her stuff. Literally, scammers took her home away from her, from her. And, and this is what the FBI calls home title theft, and it's one of the fastest-growing white-collar crimes in the country. And this story is why we protect our home's title with homes, home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to her home online, filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned it. it wait, it, it gets even worse, Deborah says. She says she was evicted from her home, 85 grand in equity gone. 85 grand. Like less than 20% of Americans make that in a year. American households. All that equity, gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily, but that's why we've got home title lock at my house because no insurance or bank protects you from home title theft. First things first, go. First things first, though. Go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it. And then sign up to help protect the legal title to your home so that you don't end up like poor Deborah. And to get you started, 60 risk-free days of protection available to you right now. 60 risk-free days of protection. That's two full months. When you go to HomeTitleLock.com, 
One more time, you want to go to this website, hometitlelock.com. So here's how Buy, Sell, or Hold works if you're new to the program. Each Wednesday, our producer Aaron, usually with a lot of help from his friends in the audience, throws out to Todd and I a series of of statements, predictions, etc., asking us, do we buy that? Do we sell that? We might even have a good reason for why we chose one of those two. And then once a show, we are permitted to put a hold on something, but if it's for any reason other than that's even too lame for a show this lame, then the dude code calls for you to be scorned, mock, and perhaps even flogged because you have punked out. Aaron. All right, this first one actually comes from me, and I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed that our audience didn't think of that. Uh, General Kasim Suleimani speaks at CPAC before Steve. Oh, my goodness. You know, yesterday's leftist heroes are tomorrow's uh, new conservative heroes. Well, I mean, it, it depends. Um, is the Ron Paul faction running CPAC? Oh! oh! I like that. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it. I kid because I care. All right. We'll uh, but bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. We'll start with Konstantinos Rodidas, who says the U.S. will not strike Iran if a strike happens. Iraq will actually launch missiles to hit those ballistic missile sites, but unlikely. Everyone saves face and the situation isn't escalated. New talks will be announced within 90 days. Um, sell. So. I, I don't, I think Iraq is a mess. Um, and I, I could see some new talks being announced in 90 days. You know, Trump loves that's, that's art, art of the deal giveth and art of the deal taketh away. You know, he, we've, we've seen in his presidency already. He, he, he doesn't mind talking and meeting with fiends, believing he can somehow flip them or turn them. Hasn't really worked yet because it doesn't work because you're not, you're not dealing with people who just want, um, uh, you know, a, a, a hotel on boardwalk. These are people that either want to watch the world burn or won't be satisfied if they're not the ones that struck the match. Okay, so um, I could see there being some form of talks that I could see, but I I think Iraq is a mess, uh, and it's going to go down as the worst foreign policy blunder in American history. It'll go down as one of the worst in Western civilization history. So sell. Yeah, I'm selling. And listen, they he's wandering around. Soleimani was wandering around the Middle East with impunity, doing with it right. what he wanted to. I mean, they, they had their chances then to to do something about it if they wanted to be the grown-up in the room, and, uh, and they didn't. So sell. All right. Bear and Jay says, Todd needs to accept instant replay is here to stay, not because it corrects the calls, but because most, it's the most modern spirit of the age, men are indi- indecisive, uh, lack conviction, refuse to take a stand, and cave to pressure. Well, of course, that last part is absolutely true, but I'm, I'm never giving up on this. And more people so, are coming over to my side on a regular basis, so why yeah. would I give up now? Steve, do you agree with the uh, central premise there that uh, instant replay or replay review is the most uh, modern spirit of the age progressive thing that there is, or just a, at least an example of it? I, I think the way that it's, <clears throat> pardon me, I think the way that it's being utilized, that's accurate. I, I don't know um, <clears throat> how to explain with technological certainty 
using this technology has created more uncertainty than we've ever had before. Preach. And and the only explanation for it, it's similar to the discussions we have when it comes to guns. That that ultimately it it's it's power and ethics lie in the hands of the wielder. And you know, when you look at the low rate like now we don't know what pass interference is right so we introduced the ability to replay and challenge pass interference calls because of what happened in the nfc championship game a year ago and there was another solution like there's there was another solution you fire those officials name them publicly and you don't ever allow them to officiate in your sport ever again for permitting that action to go unheeded. And they didn't do that. So they just changed the rule and expanded instant replay. Well, now what we have is we've got officials acting territorially. Well, I don't want to overturn, you know, because pass interference in the NFL, for those of you that don't know, it's a spot foul, which means if you throw a 50-yard bomb and you, and you interfere with a guy at you know, the one-yard line, it's a 50-yard penalty. This isn't a 10 or 15-yard penalty. All right, it, it, it is the most punitive penalty in professional football. And so now you've got officials saying, well, I don't want to overrule, you know, uh, John that, uh, you know, I have drinks with and it's been my buddy on these, you know, in the officiating circles for 20 years. So I'm going to just, you know, yeah, yeah, John clearly missed that call, but I'm not overruling him. So, I mean, the, the turnover rate on pass interference challenges this year in the NFL was pathetic. So are we then led to believe that they just suddenly got that much better at calling it? No, that's not what happened. It was the same officials that were getting it wrong before. It's just now this has turned into a urination contest and it's tribalistic because they ultimately don't want to use the technology for the, the reason that it's, it's really there. And in the end, human nature reaches, reaches its water level every time. It, it can't be restrained. And I've seen it work really well. You know, I was at the co- I've mentioned this before. I was at the College World Series on like the first 90-degree day of the summer in Omaha with my beloved Michigan Wolverines sitting out in the sun. And, you know, if there's a bang-bang play at second base or home plate, instant review, they go right upstairs, camera crew right there above the dugout. I mean, stuff's done in two or three minutes. And if the refs, the umpires come out and say, hey, we got it wrong, guy just jogs off the second base back into the dugout and says, okay. No arguments. It's, I mean, I, I've seen it done right. But you're, you're dealing with a league that doesn't know what a catch is. You're dealing with a league that, doesn't, that, that still doesn't know what the PSI of the footballs in the 2014 AFC Divisional Playoff game or whatever it was between the Patriots and the Colts, right? I mean, it, and, and so ultimately, if, if the people wielding the technology are bad, then, then you know, human nature will corrupt that which it touches. And... And I think that's really the issue is that they have used this technology to create more uncertainty. I mean, the, we see this in basketball. I mean, what does the phrase irrefutable evidence mean to you? I looked it up. You know what it means in Greek? Irrefutable. Ir- irrefutable. Yeah. Subjective. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So like spitballing. So like at the end of a game, when, when you're, it, 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 who'd the ball go off of at the end of a basketball game? If it takes you 10 minutes to watch the, the video, to find out who it was, and you're looking at eight angles, you know what that means? It's not irrefutable. It's not irrefutable then. I mean, if, if, if we've had this conversation before about 
if I have to think about whether somebody's a Hall of Famer, chances are what? He's not. He's not. Doesn't mean he's not a great player, but it's not. It's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of really good, right? So now there are exceptions. Sometimes you have to look at a, you know, at a, at a Don Sutton's passing or pitching stat line differently than Roger Clemens, for example. Okay, but most of the time, if I say a name and you're not sure if they're a Hall of Famer, they're not. Similarly, if I go to the replay right away and it doesn't look like that was a catch or it doesn't look like I know who the ball was off of, then guess what? The evidence is an irrefutable. And so since it's still bad people wielding this technology, it, they're, they're using it to actually introduce even more uncertainty into these sports. All right. Eric says Buttigieg will be considered the winner of Super Tuesday. What does that mean? Winner overall, best uh, best performance on Super Tuesday. How many states are Super Tuesday? Really, that all that matters is California. How many states are that? I'm, I don't know. Because you know why we don't know? Because California is on Super Tuesday, okay. and that's that's all that matters. And I don't believe he will win that state. So sell. In fact, I, I, I'm not sure whoever wins California will be declared the winner of Super Tuesday. But I I, I fully expect this to be a, a fluid situation all the way to the bitter end. So, sell. I think Bernie Sanders will win California. See, I couldn't tell if it, that's what I meant or I meant will be considered the winner really quick by so that our audience knows. Super Tuesday. Like, by Super Tuesday, we will know that Buttigieg is the likely winner. That I can't tell what they're saying there. Here are the states going, going in Super Tuesday this year, all right? Um, Alabama, Arkansas, Colorado has caucuses. Uh, Georgia, Massachusetts, Minnesota has caucuses. Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Vermont, and Virginia. Um, oh, no, that was Super Tuesday. I thought that sounded familiar. That was the 2016 mm-hmm. lineup. Um, so let me click on this really quick. And yes, Well, I-, I will say, because Super Tuesday comes fast with California and the way we've talked about how this thing could go all the way to convention, I'm just I, – I, I'm – Interpreting this to mean like we're going to know that he's a clear front runner by that time. All right, here we go. Alabama, Arkansas, time. California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia. He's not winning even in the Democratic primary. A gay guy is not winning North Carolina. There's a lot of southern. A gay guy is not yeah. winning Alabama. Yeah. A gay guy is not winning Arkansas. Gay guy is not winning Oklahoma. Gay guy is not winning Tennessee, and a gay guy is not winning Texas. Right. Even in the Democratic primary, we agree on that. Yeah. Okay. So for the already most part, then, for the, for the most yeah. part, yeah. So already that he's not winning Utah. The gay guy is not winning Utah in the Democratic primary. We agree on that because that's Super Tuesday too. Yeah, probably. I mean, I think I think we might. Although, be, you know what? Maybe we might that, be surprised can, in a state one, like Utah because yes, because if you're a Democrat in Utah, right, then it's probably only because of an issue like this, right? But I'm, yeah, okay. I'm not going to bet my mortgage on it, but I, like it's chances possible. are there's not like any moderate Democrats in Utah. It's funny like, how that works. The Democrats in Utah probably have like rainbow wigs that they go to work with, right? Because if you had any form of right of centerism in a state of that, you would like that, you would just do what? Just join the Republican Party, right? Right. So I could see why you might think that could be a, a potential. That's why upset. I paused at least. Okay. I but in the other states where you have huge black populations voting in those states, still a lot of Clay Travis, uh, that's Clay Travis's audience, you know, the former Tom Daschle aide on Capitol Hill, none of those states are voting for a gay guy. I don't think so. None of them are. I don't even think, he, I don't think he'll win California either. I think Bernie Sanders will. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. I'm not arguing. All right, Elliot Evans says the Star Wars cartoons are better than all Star Wars prequels and sequels. 
I certainly think. See, I, I think you don't have to watch all see, every it, episode of the Clone Wars. Some of it got tedious. Aaron, go ahead. I, I think if it's not an automatic sell, <laughs> then it's probably <laughs> see a See what ride. you did there? Nice. Nice. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Um, so I'm going to sell because I, I don't think every episode of the of Clone Wars was necessary. And, and when that show was good, it was very good. And sometimes it was just like, get to the point already. Uh, I liked Star Wars Rebels a lot, but I don't think that's an automatic. I'm going to sell. Based on what I've heard, sight unseen, I'll say bye. Okay. Uh, moving on, Bill Kindle says, when Steve says he misses the pumpkin spice, do we still assume we are being lied to? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. There, just like with the dude code, there are exceptions. Yes. No, I, I, I don't, dude. I don't. I don't mess around when it comes to pumpkin spice. I, and and I, and that's the only pumpkin spice thing. because you know why? So after the holidays, I'm on a. I, I've got to do this every year because I literally put on like ten pounds every December. I eat. I eat more sugar, in from Halloween to New Year's Day than I will eat the whole rest of the year combined. Because there's too many, too much good food this time of year, right? And a lot of it's seasonal. But this year I decided. So every January begins. I'm on a thirty day sugar fast in terms of like refined sugar, right? Um, but this year what I did is I've got, I've got stuff saved, bro. Expiration dates are looking good. Stuff freezing. I've got stashes of pumpkin spice Kit Kats for the, for what I'm, I'm now calling the off season. <laughs> All right. I've got, I've got uh, several leftover boxes of blueberry sitting in the garage for that July day when it's 175 and I'm like, man, I miss football season. Fill up a bowl with some some MSG, terrible food dye, blueberry cereal. Make me think like it's October again. So I've got it spaced out. And that, that cookie dough at Costco that I raved about before the holidays, yeah, I've got five boxes of that stored at home to last me until it comes back again in October. Very nice. I'm serious this year. I took this very seriously. Next question, please. <laughs> Jim Stocker <laughs> says the Dems will draw up more articles of impeachment, this time accusing Trump of being a war criminal. Note their strategic use of the word assassination in their media hits. Sell. That would be disastrous. See, I was them. leaning to sell too, but you tell me what your reasoning was. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's well within their reach to go after impeachment, but not this soon. They're already being lampooned on by the yeah, last by Saturday Night Live. Has it's, he even been impeached yeah, and that's yet the other from the question. other we one? Don't, we're, we are arguing about... It is literally three weeks ago today. Yeah, whether he has actually been impeached. And, and Nancy Pelosi shows, she's again, I'm, I'm, I'm holding until I find out what the rules of this are going to be. Um, I So I, I've got to sell because there's... The, the, I mean, you, the, your, your rule about being a joke, Steve. Yeah, they're they're in that territory. I, I agree. I mean, and they're getting when you're getting parodied from your from what is not always. I mean, SNL at times over the years has has shown a propensity to to cut both ways. You can cut on them more than many others. Yes, yes. But, but it's still. I think they're still the home team on that show. Oh, we would all sure. agree for sure, for right? Sure. So when 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 your own team now has turned you into this, that's that's essentially a form of self parody. Yes. It's ridiculous because it's ridiculous. It's indefensible is what it is. 
because the because we all know what the answer is. You're gutless, and you're taking it. You took a huge hit with this, and you're trying to find. This is their form of Iran sending missiles into Iraq that killed no Americans. They're they're. This is a saving fate. Well, we voted to impeach him. We did what you wanted, but we but then you really didn't. And then we just hope that our base just gets you know distracted when we get into these primaries and the candidates, and nobody comes back to us around spring break and is like, hey. Are we going to impeach this guy or not? Because then it's just all about, we got to beat Trump. It's, it's, we're into election year emotionalism. That's, that, I think that's what they're trying to do. This is a, a save the face stall tactic, similar to what Iran attempted to do last night. Agreed. So when we come back uh, next hour, we've got Daniel, of course. And then uh, at the bottom of, the, of next hour at one uh, thirty Eastern time, we're going to continue buy, sell, or hold. The XFL released some changes to the rules that they're going to, to implement when their season starts next yeah, month. Yeah, I've seen some of these. These, I think they look really cool, but I want to get you guys' thoughts on them. So we'll go by, uh, go through them one by one and uh, buy, sell, or hold some of these uh, rule changes. I still, I still think playing these games in February and March Agreed. is a mistake. You I mean, limit your expansion yeah, opportunities, Yeah, I, I think you got to play in, after the NSA tournament when people are like, there's only five teams that can win the World Series and everybody else is out of it by Mother's Day anyway, right? That's when I'd be playing the XFL games. But that's just me. We'll come back. Hour two is next, starting with our good friend, Daniel Horowitz. The woe and lamentation come forth next. Stay tuned. We're back with our number two live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. 888-933-93. 888-933-93. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Todd and Aaron are here as well. As is for the first time here in the year 2020. The weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, our good friend Daniel Horowitz, is back to take us inside politics. Happy New Year to you, my friend, and uh, it's good to see you again, brother. How are you? Happy New Year. There might be a half an inch of snow here in the swamp in D.C., but we're up and running. (laughs) So that's why the city had to shut down yesterday, right? But America rejoiced, nevertheless. Let's, Let's get to your read on what's going on with Iran. Um... I don't buy, I'll just tell you what I said to the audience, Cliff Notes version at the top of the show. I don't believe the regime that has become the most successful nation state um, exporter of global terror in the last four decades suddenly became the apple dumpling gang last night and couldn't kill any Americans. I think that was on purpose. I think this is to save face, to make it look like they did something. They're in an honor-based culture where humiliation is worse than death. And they had to make it look like they were doing something. On the other hand, they also were taught that if they step to us, there's going to be another empty seat in their high command probably the next morning. So they had to figure, what could we do that would make it look like we, we could get some propaganda out there, but not further cause an escalation? Just like I don't believe that Boeing airliner last night in Tehran just happened to explode either. I think this is all orchestrated as a safe face. Uh, let's stall, get out of here and get back to operating in the shadows where we do our best work. What's your read of this, Daniel? Steve, I think you're right on the money there. The fact that Iran could have hit 
a base directly, but didn't makes them look even weaker. See, if you don't have the capability, you just don't have it here. They're like, I'm going to beat you. Well, maybe not so much. Um, Think about this score. We crushed them with sanctions. I mean, they have major problems, and the president announced he's going to intensify them. There's a new round coming. Um, He shredded Obama's deal with them. He took out their most revered and treasured successful general with all their foreign operations over the last two decades. And they made some holes in, in Iraqi dirt. I mean, that and there's no war. That is peace through strength embodied. Mm-hmm. I, I believe this is the president's finest moment. I believe he pitched a perfect game on this issue. The right balance. See, Iran always knew we could crush them militarily, except we're a bunch of Gullivers that get tied down by Lilliputians and we don't use it. He didn't know there would be a president that would go there. Nobody. I didn't think allies of Trump, enemies, nobody thought he would take out Soleimani. It was a gut punch to them. Um, and it's a, it's an even bigger gut punch that they – I mean you don't even have an American scout from that. There's nothing they can do. Um, for the president to complete the perfect game, and there are signs he's doing this, what would make us even stronger against Iran, preserve our resolve and resources, and stop freaking helping Iran, is to get the heck out of Baghdad, is to gradually, not on their terms, but on our terms, get out of there so that we are no longer protecting Iran from the Sunni insurgency. Let them have it. And then at the same time, we no longer have assets that are even hittable by Iran. We have our naval and air assets are still going to be there. And then we are in even in an even stronger position to to get them. I really do think, whereas I don't think the president has pitched a consistent perfect game on immigration, on other issues, on foreign policy, many of us have been pining for a day where we don't have this false dichotomy between isolationism versus yeah we pay everybody off or we send a half a million American troops to Qatar again, right? Those are the only choices we're ever given are those two choices, right? This is the true hawkish position, not owning their dumpster fires, not owning their land tribal wars so they could kill us while we're protecting them from another enemy of the United States. It's strike and maneuver as opposed to hold and build. As Lee Smith, great uh, uh, foreign policy thinker, wrote in the New York Post today, Soleimani's killing is the perfect exit ramp to end this on a high note. It doesn't mean we're entrenching ourselves. It means we are moving from, you know what? We're not going to fall in the sword of Islam anymore. We're going to sit back, have our assets, focus on homeland security, immigration, soft power sanctions. And when we need to mow the lawn, we'll mow it on the cheap with no cost to us and a painful cost to you. I'm glad you used the phrase peace through strength because I, I was walking our audience through to me, this looks like a Reagan-era maneuver against the Soviets in the Cold War. The idea that we're gonna we're gonna build we're gonna build every bit as many MX missiles as you have. We're gonna create SDI technology that you don't have, and we're not gonna. And, and the left in those in that in those years freaked out. We're gonna have World War Three. No, you do this so that you don't have to, because you've allowed the Soviet Union for decades yep. to operate in an environment. Where, yes, they don't face nearly the domestic political pressures you do because they're a totalitarian regime, but they still face some. If they can't feed their people at all, they'll revolt against them. There's a reason Kim Jong-un wants pallets of cash and payoffs. Because 
his people will only eat as brainwashed as they are. They're only going to eat so much wretched tree bark as well before they're going to storm his castle. That's human nature. All right. And so the Iranians are facing a lot more political pressure. The Saudis are really trying to limit their their pressure points and prominence in the region and have hated Iran for decades anyway. So they've got to worry about that. They've had numerous uprisings of thousands upon thousands of the young population, young, young adult population in Tehran over the last few years. They've got to be concerned about that. And what's happened is we've been the only country in this exchange that has considered what will the polls say? What will our domestic policy pressure points? Will this will this lose me an election? And they know that. And they've leveraged that against us. Well, now by this killing, we have forced them to say, hey, are you sure you want mutually assured destruction? Are you sure? If you the, the, you sure you've got nothing to lose here, really? You're sure your people are just going to roll over and play dead for you again? You sure that's what you want? And that's why I think we got the strike with no American casualties last night, because they had to do some political calculus on their end for a change. No, exactly. I mean, that's how Trump could have his cake and eat it, too crush them with sanctions, and then the people of Iran get further ticked off at the mullahs. Right. The, the bottom line is this. The death of Soleimani was an act of de-escalation, not an act of escalation, because here is the problem that everyone's missing. It didn't even start with Iran attacking our base in Kirkuk and then the embassy. This has been going on since 79, on some levels the last several years, um, you know, with, under Obama, and then the last several months with the Persian Gulf piracy. And nothing has stopped them because they knew, oh, we don't want another conflict. They knew we wouldn't respond, and they kept upping it and upping it, and there was nothing we could do. That was the escalation. Think about it. They took a naval ship of ours. They captured a crew. It wasn't like some half-hemmed, like, you know, attack on Iraq, which was viewed as an attack on us. In 2016, they took a ship and humiliated, and nothing happened to them. Actually, something did. They got $150 billion in cash from Obama. So you can't blame Iran until now for, for thinking, hey, nothing's going to happen. Now they know he will go there. He will do it. That is an act of de-escalation. And as I noted on my show, Trump could do this on so many other issues. He could do it with his domestic adversaries, political adversaries. I'm not comparing them to Iran, even though they uh, like Iran. The Democrats. Use the veto pen. Use more robust executive action. Don't listen to the people who say, oh, you can't push back against the court. Oh, you can't cut off funding to sanctuary cities. Oh, you can't do No, no. I'm going to deploy the military at our border. Um, when you do something, you change the dynamics. You have to score something dynamically, not statically, the way things will result once your action comes into play. Notice the Arab street will erupt when you move the embassy to, to Jerusalem. Yeah, it never happened. Never happened. Right. Now, a whole bunch of other countries are following. That's what leadership is. And again, the president was perfect, picture perfect on this. And, and I believe he needs to and can follow up on many other issues. What's that look like on pick one domestic policy issue? All right. And just because otherwise we, we, we only have 20 more minutes. So pick one domestic policy issue and walk our audience through how this use of power could be applied to that particular issue in policy. 
Democrats are like Iran in in a certain way. Well, in many ways. I was going to say it, it's actually more ways than certain. But yes, go ahead. <laughs> more, more more ways than one. I mean, Iran has now uh, supplanted MS-13 as a protected class. But but here's the deal. Just like Iran knew we had the means of destroying them physically, but that we would never use it until Trump demonstrated he would, and it changed the dynamics, Democrats know we are sitting on issues that could destroy them politically. Sanctuary cities, okay, harboring – I mean, you know the stories that we have at Conservative Review – There are thousands of stories of sex offenders, the worst gang members, drug traffickers, murderers that Trump could pin on them every day. Okay, this is an issue they are terrified of, but they know Republicans will never push them on it. They know Republicans will never push them on the issue of crime and run Willie Horton ads against them. What if Trump demonstrated that we will? What if he demonstrated he will use the three tools he has that are superior to them, just like our superior military Speaking at a kinetic level to Iran, bully pulpit, veto pen, and executive action. And that includes willing to fight it out against the courts. If Trump were to cut off um, funding to sanctuary cities and say we're not engaging with, with at least these law enforcement grants, and he's going to cite chapter and verse, use the bully pulpit every day to talk about how they are furthering the drug and gang crisis and just – 2,500 homicides a year from illegal aliens. That is an issue Democrats cannot win. And then you have a budget fight over it. Going into September, everyone's like, Daniel, that's five weeks before the election. You you can't do it. No, that's precisely when you do it. You have a real fight over a real issue, and you stay relentlessly on message. If you notice, the president, you know, for once, has really yeah, been on message. I agree. It works. It works wonders. Hey, I don't even have um, any. Listen, I don't even have anything to complain about here the last <laughs> 72 hours. I think that, that probably no. ought to speak volumes. Yes. No, I mean, he pitched a perfect game. That That's really what it was. And that's what I'm saying. You could apply this to jailbreak and pushing bills on mandatory minimums for gun felons. I mean, let the Democrats oppose that, but you relentlessly act on that. Deploy the military at our own border and and let the Democrats say, oh, you can't do that. You know, at the end of the day, he has that power. And by the way, that's the way you leverage them. All right, well, you don't want the military. Then you're going to give me my border wall. But Trump, you know, you know how many times you and I have talked about him blinking on executive action, blinking on the budget bills. Whoever he's listening to on this issue needs to be in his ear on other issues. Hmm. Three weeks ago today, the Democratic Congress supposedly impeached the president of the United States. Three weeks ago today. Yet, 21 days have passed and they have refused to submit the articles of impeachment, the indictment, basically, in a criminal sense, to to the Senate for a trial. And so constitutionally, he's actually not impeached, technically, because they haven't formally submitted their indictment. My theory is that they're hoping that we get into the Iowa caucuses in New Hampshire and their base is distracted by the candidates in the presidential race, that they can just move on from this. They, they, they can say they did it, 
And then, then, and then, you know, a couple months later after, you know, Super Tuesday and everything else and people are like, hey, what, what's going on with the impeachment? Well, we couldn't trust McConnell and those rascally Senate Republicans. And that's why we got to beat Trump and the Republicans in the election this year. Is that the game plan here or what else is going on? I think is a little bit more, too. It's kind of like when the military flies a drone 40, 50,000 feet in the air um, with, you know, with striking capabilities, but doesn't yet take a shot. But it's there for when you need it. I think the Democrats always think that there's a perpetual scandal in the administration and they wanted to hold out for the smoking gun. They thought they had it. But they didn't look into it carefully enough and it blew up in their face. So I think that's what they're holding out for in addition to what you said. Um, But again, it's like what I thought. I kept saying last year, I don't think certainly it's not going to help the Democrats. I don't think it's going to hurt them much. I don't think it's like Iran's strike. It just falls flat. No one remembers it. No one understands it. It's it's too in the weeds. And certainly now no one remembers it with Trump uh, appearing presidential with the Iran uh, fight. Uh, you know, no, no one's supportive of that. The way to do that is to summarily dismiss it in one day's Senate proceedings and move on to all of the aforementioned issues we talked about. McConnell, to his credit, looks like he's headed for some version of the first thing but god help us he'll never follow up with follow-up shots and actually focus on the right things do you believe they will eventually submit articles of impeachment to the u.s senate i i think that they're waiting they need some sort of catalyst for that what would i'm not what, sure what, what, what that is that like. what is that what is the catalyst what 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 so we had to impeach him to find out what's in the impeachment i mean what, what's exactly. the what's the what's the catalyst what is it? Exactly. I mean, some sort of other thing demonstrating foreign influence in some way um, is, is the way they're going to go. Remember, the way the way Democrats work is they build narratives. Death by a thousand cuts. There's a shooting here. There's another shooting there. Look, you know, we, we need gun control. That's what they do. They build narratives. Um, and that's what they they're trying to do. Put a bunch of stuff against the wall. And I think they just ran out of ammo. Um, so they need just something else to fire. Um, but otherwise, it's again, it's going back to Iran. It's it's the same thing. It's saving face. That's all they need to do. Defend the honor of their base. And that's it. I put out my predictions as I do every year. First show of the year. I lay out top 10 predictions for the coming year. And my record actually the last couple of years, correct me if I'm wrong, Todd, it's actually been pretty good. Yeah. I've, I think I've averaged about five or six, somewhere around there out of sure. the 10. Right, that's pretty good when you're making calling shots a year in advance. Here's a couple of the political predictions I've made for, for 2020. I think for the first time ever, we're going to see four different candidates win the first four states on the Democratic side. Hmm. I think we're going to see a, a truly brokered convention for the first time since 1980 when Ted Kennedy took Jimmy Carter on the floor to a second vote for the nomination for the Democratic Party. Um. And I think Bernie Sanders is going to be the nominee. Your thought on those three predictions? Oh, boy, Steve. I mean, you really got me there. Um, I don't know the Democrats that well, but I'll tell you, your, 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 your first thing is solid. Okay, your first thing is solid simply because the GOP primary, the Democrat primary, primary is not like the GOP primary. GOP demographic is pretty homogenous, relatively the same mm-hmm. throughout all the states. First one or two dominoes fall, 
you know, you win Iowa, you win New Hampshire, you win the nomination. With Democrats, you're seeing it. It's always true, but certainly now, Iowa and New Hampshire are so idiosyncratic for a Democrat uh, demographic in, in the sense that it's very white. You go to South Carolina, it lurches the other way around. What is it, 60% black mm-hmm. in terms of the Democrat voting population? Um, Biden owns that, whereas, um, you know, the other candidates are pulling stronger, Warren and Sanders, with um, the other states. So I think that is the most likely. To say there's a brokered convention would assume that this continues to go on. I still think someone picks up momentum. I just think it takes longer than usual. I think it looks a little bit more like the GOP primary last time that goes on a little bit longer. Cruz has some good moments, but it flips back and forth, maybe a little stronger. But I think they will coalesce. Man, who's the nominee? See, I don't know. They, they don't ha- that that's the problem they don't have anyone they have one guy who's mentally ill yeah they don't they don't everyone, what they have is a spirit of the age and ultimately they don't have anyone and, 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 and ultimately think, they've wanted to follow in the footsteps of of western european leftists for decades and the final step in that process is just to nominate their own jeremy corbyn and i think that's what's going to happen you know why because he's also the only candidate in the race that has a base of people that will show up yes, in yes. every state, in every in every atmosphere. In a, and there's two ways to win at a convention, at a brokered convention. There's two ways you win. One is you're you're the you're everybody's number two choice. Okay, that's one way. All right, but I don't think this is. I don't think uh, you know, going back to Milwaukee and the home of the Scott Walker a mobocracy in this environment is going to be Camp Cuddly Pines. I don't think you're going to see that kind of convention. <laughs> and so the other way you win. Is triumph of the will, baby. All right, and whose base, whose base is going to do yeah. be- that more than Bernie Sanders so, is? That's why I think he's going to be the nominee. So I, I agree with you that I think he'll win the playoffs against Elizabeth Warren for the you know snobby white you know woke vote. Um, he has a much bigger base than she does, and she is just too schoolmarmish and a obnoxious and snobby Mm -hmm. for even the snobs. Um, But I could see a 50, 50. I could still see Biden winning the, the mental illness um, is not affecting him, at least for the Democrat primary and might for the general. Um, And I could see a scenario where I think it's why he's going to finish fourth in Iowa. I think he finished fourth in Iowa. And that that is, and that is why you don't, you don't, I think it, I think it's pretty devastating. because again, this is not the GOP. The black it's not the G- it's not just- the, it's not the GOP, Daniel. But they haven't nominated someone that didn't win Iowa in a contested Iowa caucus since 1988. We, we've we've never they- had someone get elected president in this country that didn't finish in the top three in Iowa in either party. It's never happened. Well, we've never had people running this radical. I mean, look, you know, th- things are changing, and I think. Um, We've never had such racial polarization in their primary. And you go to South Carolina, and if Biden carries that, there's a lot of other states that follow along the I same agree with demographics. That. Yeah, I agree. That's and, why. And that's one of the reasons the, why I think we're going to have a brokered convention. I agree. Yeah, the, the black I'm, voters are just not into Bernie. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think Super Tuesday, you could see Biden um, sweep a lot of the Tennessee, Arkansas kind of states. But the big prize that day is California, and I think you're going to see Bernie Sanders win that state. And if Bernie wins yep. California, it doesn't matter how many of the rest. That's, that is the Valhalla of the Democratic Party. 
If he wins, then, win, then if, there's the super delegates. Yes, that's the if, other question. If he wins, if he wins District One, the capital of the Democratic Party, California, at the very least, he's going all the way to Milwaukee. At the very least, you don't you don't win the in any war. He's a Soviet brother. You don't <laughs> win at Red Square. And then say, hey, you know, we lost Vladivostok in Siberia, so I guess we just call it a day. Oh, no, you don't. No, you, you take the iron fist from, from Stalingrad to the outer rim. <laughs> That's what you do. All right, you, don't, you, don't, you don't surrender after winning in Red Square. You don't do that. The other big question is, are there enough of the party establishment superdelegates who will intervene because they're afraid of a Jeremy Corbyn situation? Um, See, I mind, think they're afraid yeah. of their own situation now. I think they're I think they're like the Iranian high command. I think they're watching the uprising of what's coming next. And that's why Tom Perez, the DNC chair, is now openly four years ago. We were racist for calling him socialist. Right now he's saying we're socialists. I think that they're they see the spirit <laughs> of the age. I think they're more concerned about their own survival. I, I, if, if they step in and play gate, if he wins California. And they step in and play gatekeeper against him again, dude. They're the ones that are going next. Okay, I mean they're going to get Chicago sixty-eighted here. I, I think they're more concerned about their own survival right now than they are about playing gatekeeper. But you're, I'll give you the last word. Go ahead. Sure. I mean that, that's what the super delegates. Then there's the other end of the spectrum. Average Democrat voters. Are you going to see a dynamic where? A majority of the average Democrat voters, which, by the way, includes a lot of people who aren't liberal. I mean, sure. Democrat voter registration is a lot bigger than a Republican voter registration. It's a lot of people registered Democrat where wrongfully, but nonetheless, they view Joe Biden as a more moderate voice. Sure. You said this last year. How many even among the Democrat pie, what share of that composition is MSNBC. I think we learned. I, by the, I think we learned is. by Joe Biden abandoning every position that made him amenable to those people. He's abandoned them all because I think I, I would presume Joe Biden and his multi-million-dollar operation knows who's going to turn out in Democratic primaries better than even Steve Dace and Daniel Horowitz do. Wouldn't you make that assumption? So if there yeah. was if there was money to be made. And Morning in America again, which is how he originally launched his campaign last March, remember? If there was if there was if there was money to be made in return to normalcy and not in let me uh, get rid of the Hyde Amendment and shut down Pennsylvania because of what the temperature might be in three hundred and fifty years, I gotta believe he'd stay there. Didn't wouldn't you? Yep. No, I mean, there's no question about it, and it certainly is perceived that way. I was just wondering if the Democrat base or rank and file would so badly want to beat Trump and that if they perceive a more moderating voice is more electable, sure. they would do it. But I think that's more a GOP voter thing, that they're more worried about electability. Um, I don't know if Democrats are that sensitive to that. So, look, I mean, I, I think you might be right. We might be headed to a Bernie Sanders thing. Um, but look, Steve, you know, my ultimate concern is what does a second term look like? Are we going to sit and have Republicans adopt? I want more refugees and abolish the prisons. You know, we may as well sound like Bernie Sanders if uh, we have Republicans <laughs> like this. So there you go. There you go. There's the woe and lamentation. I knew, I, I knew if I started bit. talking about the Democratic <laughs> primary, some of it would come out. So there it is. I didn't want to give false advertising the first time with you here in 2020. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Take care. God bless. You bet. Same to you.
Any thoughts, gentlemen, on what we just heard from Daniel Horowitz? That right there is why part of the reason why they're holding impeachment. Because if it's a hot mess, that kind of squirrel, they're they're just going to throw that grenade into the mix. It's like it's like the, the Rush- right time is is in the middle of March when no one has the amount of delegates it takes to win the nomination. Oh, man. It's like the Russians shooting <laughs> their own soldiers. We need something to unite our party because we're killing each other yes. out there in the primary field. Yes. I, uh, okay, I hear you. I hear you. Because that would do it, right? That that's that for for between the primary schedule and the convention. If you throw it in there, that that you know, if if they can't see a path to victory through a candidate, then they have to assassinate Trump via political means. Yeah, yeah. that's my point. Yeah, some you know, like uh, 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 what we saw with Brett Kavanaugh, for example. Yes, right? that's yeah. exactly right. What do you think, Aaron? I think just as much as it's a mistake, and I've done this as well, uh, which is why I'm saying it. I, th- I think as much as it's a mistake to try to prognosticate what Trump will do at any certain time in the future, just because of any manner or number of reasons, a uh, double-minded man, and again, he's, he's done a great job, as Daniel said, pitched a perfect j- day, game with the Iran situation. Um, we, we try, and we try very hard to stay away from trying to predict what he'll do in the future because he's just so uh, hard to kind of pin down. For a number of reasons, just as much as I think that's a mistake, I think it's a mistake trying to figure out the heart of anything that the Democratic Party will do because they're driven by, as you said to Daniel, what they have is a spirit of the age. That spirit of the age is uncontainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. Uh, it, uh, it cannot be. You cannot contain it. You cannot. Uh, you can only hope to uh, mitigate. It cannot be contained. So I'm I mean, that's that's kind of unfortunate just a little bit. Uh, being that we're headed into, you know, a Democratic primary season. But man, it just hearing you guys talk about that and just talk, talking about, you know, talking about this race, just the horse race perspective on any given day because of the candidates who are running, because of the base of the Democratic Party and what's driving all of this is progressivism. I just think it is as big of a mistake to try to deduce and prognosticate the future with them as it is with trying to figure out what Trump is going to do next. Who is det- I, I get that, but but whose ideology and talking points dominates their debates and determines their news cycles on a daily basis? Look at all the candidates currently in the field and ask answer that question. Of the candidates currently in the field, whose ideology and talking points is setting the tone on a daily basis of what gets said in that party and in that presidential race. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is. It's Bernie. It's why Elizabeth Warren needs to be asked four times on the view yesterday. If this guy was a terrorist or not. Okay. Um, he's so he's setting the agenda. He is. I mean, Joe Biden has adopted most of his campaign rhetoric. So he's the one setting the agenda at the, so at the very least he is, he is one with the spirit of the age. Now, whether he is a personality can capture it and, and corral it enough to capitalize on it fully is a, is a debatable point. But, but, but he is at the very least the Benjamin Franklin here. He's, he's determining the argument and setting the debate. We'll get back to more Buy, Sell, or Hold here in a moment. Stay tuned. <laughs> 
get back to more buy sell or hold part two for this week that means you Aaron. Alrighty, we'll go next to todd saffel who says the slightly less pc version of the 2020 show theme analysis by your analysis that yellow rain isn't rain i'll buy that yeah, yeah. same i like it okay it's uh, It's got a nice groove. You can dance to it. We'll move on. Caleb Field says the Democrats never submit the articles of, of impeachment to the Senate. We just got done talking about that with Daniel. Yeah. So let me, I'll, I'll let you go first on this one. They, they never submit them. The question I asked Daniel is the same one that he just, he just offered to us. I, here's what I said a couple days ago. I said, when you prognosticate and what's something you've had to get used to, like if I, if I'm not even, if I can't reach 40%, I can't take that long shot. I'm risking too much credibility. That number has gone way down now. So I still think it's likely that they will, but I think the odds are high enough. And by high enough, I mean like 20 to 25% chance that they won't, that I will buy. So let me, let me, game plan this out since he turned my own question against me and I wasn't anticipating that. That's the other reason I wanted you to go first because I wanted to see what your answer Canary was. Canary in the coal mine? See if I could copy <laughs> off of it. Um, Am I dead or alive? Daniel offered this scenario that they could be waiting for further, you know, foreign quid pro quo. Here's the thing. I've got to think if they, if, if, if the, this, these deep statey people had this stuff, would we'd know. They set up there with nationally televised impeachment hearings. If they if if they had some bureaucrat that can say, and I heard him on the phone with Angola, I, I, wouldn't they have said so? I think that they would have. Yeah. If they had it, that we would have. This would have been the time we could have known about it because it only bolsters their case yeah. that this is a, a in any prosecution. If you can show a pattern of like behavior um, for the accused. That certainly doesn't ruin your case, does it? No, it gives it an ex- an added layer of credibility to the jury, right? Instead, all we got was the TED Talk. Yes. So I don't think that that's forthcoming. Unless he, commits a, a, unless he were to commit a new fresh act that hasn't occurred yet, okay? Right? That, that, that could happen. Meaning he, he does it on a call that hasn't happened yet. He does it six months from now in real time, and, and then we find out about it. But if, if there was something else like what went on with you, the Ukraine that had already occurred those 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 hearings they had in the house and with all those you know butthurt bureaucrats going up there to testify that would have been the time they would have told us all right so i think the only other scenario i can think of is at least in the next few months is if they get into the voting in their presidential primary and it is the war of attrition it's stalingrad every night and 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 people are just squaring off now the the various diverse factions in their party are just squaring off against each other and i'm i you know i'm a black democrat in tennessee i'm not voting for this gay guy with police brutality issues in some red state we're not winning anyway i'm not budging i'm not budging right and then you know the white woke suburban brigades like i really need to convince everybody I'm not homophobic. Please don't take this away from me. You know, Bernie's base is, is not is not budging at all, right? We know that, right. okay? So if you get into that sort of Bolshevik versus Menshevik every night on MSNBC and CNN, I could see at that point a scenario 
where they're like, dude, we got a something to win a new cycle. Control alt delete. Something to yeah. get a, get people unified again. The problem with that is I do believe that is a moment where if that was the time that they would launch this, that I do think McConnell would just have an up or down vote in an hour and be done with it. And they'd be right back to where they're at. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so I'm going to, I think as I play this out in my head, it's, it's far more likely that if they've waited three weeks to do this, they're never doing it. Then it is some perfect moment will arrive for them to do so. So I will buy that they never submit. Excellent. I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud. They're never going to submit the articles of the impeachment they impeached. I just Come here, you. <laughs> so awesome. Watching them put down I'm not sure sanity. if I want to quit my job or just see how this whole damn thing is. I'm really torn up right now. <sighs> All right. All right, uh, moving on to Nathan Codis, who says Pope Francis introduces rainbow vestments for priests at Easter oh, to boy. celebrate all God's children oh, boy. and announces they should be worn for one month after Pentecost. This coincidentally coincides with Pride Month in the U.S. Oh, oh my. No, oh. no, that's not, I, I get. It, it's very clever. Yeah, and well earned. Yes. I mean, trust me, my tribe has earned that, but that's, you, that. You, that's how the Unitarians roll or the Methodists right. or something like that. That's Th- that, not it's got to be more subtle. Yeah, that's not how Because it's here's the reality. And, and if I'm speaking out of school, tell me. So this is, and I'm guessing given his knowledge of, of Catholic um, vernacular, this probably wasn't written by a Protestant. Is that fair? Uh, Protestants don't know what a freaking vestment is. Yes, yes. Yeah, they don't know, by and large. Okay, Okay. yeah. I see where you're going. The only Protestants that know either like hung out with R.J. Rushdoony or are still listening to the great R.C. Sproul's podcast. But like the average Southern Baptist doesn't know what a a vestment is, okay? Um, You wouldn't know that. I can promise you they, they, they don't know what that is, okay? So most Protestants' understanding of Catholicism is you guys just have to do whatever the Pope says. That That's what most Protestants believe that and and you you have too high of an opinion of Mary, but they can't really explain why they believe. I'll take, I'll take your word for <laughs> that. Isn't that pretty much what most Protestants think of Catholics, Aaron? Because yeah. you guys just have to do whatever the Pope says, and you think too much of Mary, who was a swell gal, but not worthy of, of bowing to. Right? That, that's pretty much nails it. Okay. Now the debates are far more involved than that, but that is what most Protestants think uh, uh, that Catholics believe. That must be the truest okay? thing Aaron's ever heard, because I've never heard him react to anything yes, like he's this. he's belly laughing over there, okay? I don't know why that got me with the swell gown. <laughs> okay. So, um, I'm guessing, given the way this is worded, is written by a Catholic. I, I, I if, if, but if you're a Protestant who was like, yeah, I could totally see that happening. You're buying into a stereotype. If the Pope, now maybe in, in may, he would, he's got to loosen a lot of tentacles around the bureaucracy to get to the unit. Cause we're, we're now we're in, I, I'm just in a red unitard. I'm, I'm the ridiculous papal figure in the first left behind book doing a dance for Nikolai Carpathia territory with something like this. This is so out in the open. It's so ham fisted. This is where the bureaucracy lim- even if he wanted to do this, the bureaucracy limits his ability to be this openly heretical because it will cause a schism. 
So it, it, would, it would require years of subtlety to loosen latches. Like we, you can't just go zero to 60. Am I, you see what I'm, what I'm trying to say here? Well, yeah, but even, but, if in, even if in his heart he wanted to you, do this, the, but, the, 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 the bureaucracy that he is in charge of limits his ability to, to just dance the jig during Pride Month. Or am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong, but also we're going to be talking about this in the overtime, but the proof is in the pudding. You already have 64% of Catholics who are like, yeah, I'm cool. And that's because the church in Western civilization, the Catholic church has basically just been successful by ignoring this whole thing. They don't talk about it. They don't preach about right, it. They just, right. so, and they're winning. Right. I mean, it, it, and if, and if, he's a, if he is what you think he is, and he's that clever, then he recognizes yeah. I don't have to take on any added right. risk of, of of forcing a trial over my removal or something. No, like I ain't that. going you, Methodist you on yeah. this. I don't have to take if I just sit here and do nothing. Exactly. The 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 spirit of the age will will handle itself. Yeah. All right, let's do these next ones rapid fire. Blake Johnson says Todd will like a Star Wars movie again before <laughs> Steve Dace speaks at CPAC. Buy seller hold. That's great. I can I can buy that because Rogue One was fantastic. Why can't they make another Rogue One? That's great. That's great. Bye. All right. Uh, Jacob Hibbard says LSU de- defeats Clemson in New Orleans to win the national title. I got to sell because I'm sitting on a Clemson plus two sixty to win the national championship ticket. So you are. I am. Yeah. So I'm. I'm. I'm when did that happen? I'm, I'm, I, I do things. Well, I know you did. My spare time. I would have heard it. Yeah. You like telling us about those things. Well, because you know what I did is 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 a few weeks ago, Ohio State was plus 280 and Clemson was plus 260. And I, I believe the winner of that game is going to win the national championship. So I just okay. went and bought a ticket on each one before the playoff game because then once the playoff game happens, yeah, yeah, the yeah. odds go down, obviously. So nice. that's why I did that. All right. Uh, Chad Booman says Pope slapping should be added to our vernacular and utilized as often as possible. For sure. Bye. He says it's safe for me to buy, so I will. <laughs> uh, Bacon says Aaron goes to Hogwarts for his honeymoon. You think you're being funny, Bacon, but we are. That's happened. Down yeah. at Universal? Is that where you guys are going? That, that's Yeah, we're in the very nascent pl- stages of planning that. Uh, that we're place doing is, that place is, order, that place is so cool, man. Yeah. That place is really cool. Uh, late, Steve's latest handle says the eventual Democrat presidential nominee will have success hitting Trump from the right on criminal justice reform. Sell. So. No, they're not, they're not going to do that. No, they, well, in a normal universe, <laughs> you would be correct. Okay. But, but by that, you mean it's something you could pull off yes. if you were strategically minded, but they're not. It, no. it's, it's what a Bill Clinton would do, for no, example. It's maybe even something a Hillary Clinton would do just to do whatever yeah. I could to win. But you're dealing with people who want to win, but they want to win an argument yeah. with history, not an election. They're trying to win an argument with history. OK, so they're not going to do stuff like that. No. Correct. That's correct. All right. They're going to call him racist yeah. because he didn't let enough criminals out. That's what they're going to do. All right, the XFL, which starts its season next month, that's Vince McMahon's brainchild coming back again for the second time. They announced some new, uh, what they call, gameplay innovations for the sport of football, and uh, and we'll go through these one at a time. They've they've announced several rule changes. Some of them are are a little bit different. Uh, one of which is uh, one foot inbound catches will be allowed, like in college football. There's some clock changes. Uh, ball spotting I- uh, official is going to be kind of a thing. Now there's some m- minor changes, but there are five big 
innovations that they announced uh, recently. And we're buying or selling whether we like them or not. Buying or selling whether we like them or not. So we'll start with the kickoff. The kicker is going to be kicking off from the 25-yard line and must kick the ball in the air and in between the opponent's 20-yard line and the end zone. The coverage teams will line up on the return side of the field at the 35 and 30-yard line within five yards of each other. And I know that's difficult to, to imagine as you're listening to this in audio form, but essentially both the kicker and the kick returner will be at opposite ends of the field. They'll be furthest apart from each other, and the return teams will be within five yards of each other to make the game safer so you're not getting 50 yards of a head start of, of momentum. A head start of momentum. Because the, if you, every study that's been done of serious injuries, it's not even close. Disproportionately, more serious injuries take, uh, take place on kickoffs than any other play, and there's not even a close second. And so with so that's why the the blocking and tackling teams are so close to each other that it's like a line of scrimmage. You can't get a running start and nail somebody. Okay, I like that. Then you can't do the pop-up kick, you know, where everybody can just run up and converge on a guy and, yeah. and level him, you know, dogpile him, right? Okay, so you're spacing it out. It's a little it's it's it sounds to me like something that that sounds more convoluted than it will actually play out when you watch it in a game. I think right? they solved the the kickoff. I really yeah, because I think a lot of people think we're heading towards an era, and I would be one of them where we could see the play just outright banned. See, and that's what I think they solved here mm-hmm. because I read this with that in mind, and I thought, you know what, this is a really good, this is just a, a great idea to where you don't have to delete the play whatsoever from the entire game, thus fundamentally changing, altering the game, mm-hmm. which I think it would do. And then, uh, but you still get a you still get a kickoff. You still get blocking and and chances for big plays. I think it's a great idea. What do you think? Uh, I'm fine with it. It's absolutely worth a try. I it, forgive me if I'm leaping ahead, but does this mean that there's no such thing as an onside kick anymore? Is that coming up later? Uh, I am not sure. I would assume that there would be an onside kick. Yeah, if a team wishes to run an onside kick, it must indicate this to the official before the play. So, yes, there will be onside okay. kicks. Because okay. one of the things that people think we're going to see if they ban the kickoff at the collegiate and NFL level is the onside kick would go too. But in exchange for an onside kick, you would be able to say, hey, we want a we want one down. You get one down, like fourth and 17 at the 35-yard line, because if you don't get it, your opponents are like already in field goal range. Mm-hmm. And it's it's about your the conversion percentage of a play like that, of like a 4th and 15 or a 4th and 17, is about the odds of what traditionally of, of getting an onside kick. Sure. So there's some talk we could see that be like a substitute for the onside kick. All right. The point after touchdown, the new XFL innovation, there will be no actual kicking after a touchdown. Teams can choose whether to get the ball and then run an actual play at the 2, 5, or 10-yard line, and they will receive 1, 2, or 3 points respectively. I love this. Yeah. I, I, I love this a lot. I, I, I think that um, if, if, if I'm going to have a game decided by a guy who's not a real football player, then it ought to be a field goal and some kind of kick of magnitude. I like this a lot. The other reason I like it too is it extends, it expands, I should say, the definition of a one-score game and, and your ability to stay in the game and and the inability of the team ahead to to make the game boring and sit on the ball. Because ultimately, this is the entertainment business, right? And McMahon it, understands and McMahon that. McMahon understands that. And so you're expanding how often a game remains competitive into its most climactic moments, right? So... I like that as well.
And then then you give coaches an opportunity too to manage the game earlier in the game. If like if you're running the ball really well early in a game. And you're like, hey, man, I'm going to steal three points right now and take the ball at the 15 or whatever to get, to get a three-pointer. I, I, I like that a lot. I do like it. I'm totally fine with it. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to skip the one for punting because that one's really convoluted. And we're going to go to the double forward pass. If a team completes a forward pass behind the line of scrimmage, that team may throw a second forward pass as long as the ball has at no time crossed the line of scrimmage. Once the ball is past the line of scrimmage, no forward passes are permitted. Now, I know this sounds weird, but it's actually not different than what the rule is now, with one exception. The rule is now that when you throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage, to get a second forward pass, you have to throw it backwards behind the quarterback. Okay? Which means it's lateral. not a pass. Yeah, it's not really. It's considered it's a, a lateral. It's but, a pitch. But, but yeah, but people don't use that term. Right. Hey, he threw it back. You don't even hear announcers say that anymore. It's a backwards pass, trick play, right away. So the other reason I like doing it this way is I don't know if it's a trick play right away. I don't know that, you know? And so I know if I'm, if you're throwing a backwards pass, you're probably not running the ball unless the guy downfield's not open and you have to keep it. The intent is to throw it again, right? But if I do it this way that you don't have to be backwards, just has to be behind the line of scrimmage, then if if I'm a defense, I've got to stay home all of the time. I, I don't know that at any point you could pull it down and do that to me. I love that. I like that too. I like it a lot. I think this is sound and fury signifying nothing. Like this is almost never, ever going to come up. They're not, they're, they're going to realize they're not going to be able to even You're design right. here's, plays here's, around this. Here's why. Here's why it's vital. One of the or why I think it it could be more impactful than you think, though, because one of the plays that is that we see in every level of football now is it, they used to call them these bubble screens. Mm-hmm. Okay, the little throw out to the mm-hmm. guy running aside that are extended handoffs. Okay, I mean these get run in every NFL game and every college game now ten times a, a game, right? If every one of those, though, I have to defend, I've got to understand that at any point you could take that ball and chuck it downfield. Because right now, when, when we throw that pass, the entire defense does what? Whoosh, converges on that guy. If, if now the ability for you to take that bubble screen and then run a second pass off of that is available, it does change the way you defend that for sure. And that's a pretty common play in football these days. All right, moving on to overtime. Overtime shall consist of five rounds staged in uh, alternating single-play possessions, as is customary in NHL shootouts or in another sport. Uh, A round will consist of one offensive play per team. Each possession starts at the opponent's five-yard line, and the offensive team has one play to score. The team with more points after five rounds is the winner. So it's a basic shootout. I don't Mm. like this. I, I don't mind it. Like, I'm not offended at it, okay? But I just think the way college football does it is the best. The only thing I'd change is I wouldn't give him the ball at the 25. I'd, I'd give you the ball at the 35. So that if you don't get any yards, it's a, it's a pretty Herculean field goal in a college football game of 52 yards. All right? Um, but other than moving the ball back, I love the way college football does it, uh, which is modeled after how high schools do it. So I don't mind this, um, but I, I just think the, the way that college football does overtime is better. It's... Only the third day of the new year, and I really love my job, and I think things are going well so far, but I'm, I'm going to say the most heretical thing I've ever said on this show and hope I still have my job. I love this because it's actually making football more like soccer, and that's going to drive him nuts. I, that's why I was going to originally oppose it. <laughs> and I thought I'm not, I didn't even want to utter those words so far, so early into the year. 
Am I fired? Yeah, not yet. We're going to stick around in the overtime might, when we get into Catholic Protestantism. That might fire you, though. We're getting into that here for our Blaze TV subscribers. BlazeTV.com slash day so that you don't miss that or anything else here at Blaze TV every day. For the rest of you, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again tomorrow. Until then, John 3, 17. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.